Welcome to the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast, where we sit down with some of the most successful real estate agents, brokers, and team leaders to learn about their journeys in this industry. I'm your host, Art Batuzzi, and as a seasoned real estate agent of 29 years, I'm always fascinated by the stories of how others found success in this business. On this podcast, we'll be talking to our guests about the obstacles they overcame, the lessons they learned, and the tips and strategies they're using in today's ever-changing market. Whether you're a real estate agent, broker, team leader, investor, or just someone interested in real estate, you're in the right place. Our guests come from a variety of backgrounds and they all have unique insights to share. We wanna have fun with these interviews, but we also wanna make sure that you come away with actionable tips that you can implement in your own business. New episodes will be released weekly, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us on the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast. Let's get started. All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Art Batuzzi, and I'm joined today by the first mother-daughter team that I've ever had on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to introduce today to uh, a woman that I actually went to college with. And I got to tell you, she looks fantastic because I'm freaking old, right? And and also her daughter, together, they have formed a real estate team that I got to tell you is kicking ass right now. So let me introduce you to Sue Aducci and her daughter, Madison Blackwood. They are with the Aducci Blackwood Group with Baird and Warner. All right, ladies, welcome to the Real Estate Roundtable podcast. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having us, Art. Thank you. We're good. How are you? Rocking and rolling. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. So, Sue, you know, let's just travel back in time just a little bit in terms of when we were in college and the fact that we knew each other because um, you were in a great sorority and I was in a fraternity and we had met multiple times during the time that we were at college. And then just like everybody else, you know, you sort of leave college and you drift away from people to a great degree. But it's funny because I came across you on Facebook. It's got to be about 10 years ago. And you were in real estate. And so I was like, cool. You know, I always like to keep my real estate connections out there. And so I've just sort of been following you and every once in a while I'll I'll comment on something you've got going on and and I've seen that you've built yourself quite a career over the years so why don't you tell us like how you started in real estate how'd that happen well ironically I really had no plans to ever do this but my husband and I started buying houses flipping them and selling them every three years and we had a realtor that we used every time and probably four or five houses into this I realized why am I doing this why people would call me and say do you have any houses in the area and I'd say I do let me give you my my realtor's phone number give him a call he'll help you and then I thought this is ridiculous so I went and got my license thinking I was just going to put it in referral network 
And I started working it and working it. And my first year, I was rookie of the year for the company that I worked at at that point, sold $3 million in my first year. So wow. I decided maybe this is a career I need to get into. And so that's when I started. So what year was this, Sue? That was in uh, November of 2005. Wow. All right. So you, you know, weathered the storm. If you're still in real estate today, we weathered it, didn't we? Yes, we did. I learned how to do just about everything at that point. Right. So 2008, 9, 10, when the market dropped, you know, I mean, because in 2005, let's face it, a lot of us were order takers, weren't we? Yep. Yep. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of great sales going on. I mean, people were looking for houses and, you know, we went out there and we did our thing. But when 2008, 9, 10, 11, and 12 showed up, you had to learn to sell to be able to survive, right? You had to learn how to do foreclosures and short sales and everything in between, without a doubt. It was, that was the, that was, those were the years where you either could make it or you couldn't in real estate. Absolutely. And so obviously you did. And obviously you've thrived as well, right? I tend to think we have, yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, all right. So now fast forward a little bit. When did you, you and Madison decide or when did Madison decide to jump into real estate and jump into the team? So I got my license in 2018. I had grown up watching her and watching her and all the phone calls and everything she did. And I told her I wanted to get my real estate license. And she told me not to. She said, chase your dreams, do what you want to do in life. I had gone to college. I have my master's degree from Northwestern. I got a full-time job sitting at a desk and I just couldn't do it. It's not in my DNA to sit every day, all day. So I ended up getting my real estate license and I hung my license actually the week before I got married. So I had taken my test two weeks before I got married on my birthday, actually passed my test, hung my license that week, and then got married the week later. And I, I just feel like it was the best move I ever could have made. I agree. We were not a team right away. We were actually individual agents. She wanted me to learn the market, everything from the day in, day out, managing my own time schedule, finding my own clients, working my own sphere, building that business and understanding everything until she felt like we were at a level playing field where it was fair to become a team because I didn't want to piggyback on my mom, which is what most people probably think I did is that I just jumped on the, the train and, you know, rode her coattails to the finish line, but it was not that way at all. I had to do everything myself until she thought that I was ready. So that was about a year and a half after I got my license, we became the official team. Excellent. And how's it going? I think it's great. I do too. I will <laughs> tell you, we are, maybe we're not the norm, but we have a very close relationship I was very close to my mother and I think she grew up seeing that. So we are very close. I would say she's probably my best friend. Oh, you're mine. Oh, Sean's, Sean's up there too though. Yeah. But, but, but really, I mean, we have that, that bond, which really I think helps our business. Do we argue about things? Absolutely. I mean, there's, it wouldn't be normal if we didn't, but I'd say we work like a well-oiled machine. Absolutely. I would actually say that our family thinks that we can't turn off the business. Like that's something that we work on is making sure we can separate the business and the personal. So we're not sitting at a dinner table with our families 
you know, talking about this deal that we have going on in this client, it happens occasionally, it does. it does, but we try to really separate that to make sure that we have those different boundaries. Yeah, those boundaries. But it's hard, isn't it? It's it really is. hard. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're busy, because you cut, I forgot to tell you, no, this appraisal was done and that, that guy wants to see that house tomorrow. And, and if we don't tell each other when we're thinking about it, sometimes it slips through the cracks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I hear that by the way, from the husband, wife teams by the, the, the mother, son teams, you know, when you're, you're in a family situation or you're in a, not a work situation that it's hard to turn it off to, to, because you're like, Oh, or you're looking at your phone and something comes in and you're like, Oh my, did you hear this? Did you see this? That kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. right. And, and, and that's what happens all the time. <laughs> And so, so let's talk about Sue. Where was your business level before Madison joined your business? If you remember production or anything before Madison joined the business, um, I would say I, I would say um, my business was probably around um, eight to ten million a year. I maybe some years were a little bit better than that. But I think at, at one point, my best year was probably 12 million before she started. Okay. And last year, and last year we were at 24. So. Doubled it, babies. Yeah. Way to go. Congratulations. That's a heck of a year. Thank yeah. you. It was Thank definitely you. our best year yet. 2020 was our best year. And then 2021 kicked that one to the side. And I mean, we're on track this year to at least reach what we did last year. We like to compete with ourselves. Right. We try not to compete with the world around us. It's so easy to see what other people are doing on social media and compare yourselves directly to those people. And we've realized that it's not worth the mental toll it takes to compare yourself to others. So we compete with ourselves. We keep a track of last year and where we were month to date, volume, units, et cetera. And we keep track to see where we are. I'm a little well. old-fashioned. I keep in my, in my planner, I keep track of every deal. Wow. Every deal and the earnings and the volume to date and the earnings to date so that I can look back at last year's at, you know, June 30th and compare it to see where we are. And then I know whether we're on track or if we need to kick it a little bit to get where we want to get. Well, so that's interesting to me. So let me ask you, um, what are what methods other than, you know, like you're, you're just showing me there, it, are you using to... Um, track your your success i mean do you use other than in writing do you use tools do you use uh, programs what do you guys use to be able to keep yourselves on track to to hit the goals that you put out there i would say we're not using anything directly to to track the goals but we are using different tools to make sure that we are reaching uh, reaching our goals right we want to make sure that we're hitting our past clients um, we're really working our spheres. So I would chalk it up. So when 2020 hit, let's rewind. When 2020 hit, everybody was hiding inside of their houses. Everybody was scared to death of what was happening in the world. And once we were kind of into the clear, we decided we as really outspoken, personable people, we needed to talk to other people. We were sick of, you know, hiding and having closings remote and zoom calling people. So we started doing drop buys or pop buys and we took this little candle and it said, you know, the market is hot. 
and it had our information on the back and we hand delivered them to past clients, even if it had been five years and we hadn't spoken to them, we decided right then and there we were going to hit all of our past clients. And we delivered these candles, we knocked on their door, we wanted to see people face to face and we had conversations with a decent amount of people that turned into I think six deals, six listings, six listings just from those mm -hmm. candles alone. So it worked. I think everybody was in that same situation. Everybody wanted to talk to other people and, you know, start being social again. We wore masks. We were, we were safe. We, yeah, I think, I think um, that's probably one of the biggest things that we've done. That's made a big difference. And I think a lot of people don't realize how important it is to stay in touch with those clients, not just the ones from last year, but I'm talking from people eight years ago, we were hitting everybody. You know, do you know, hi, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Sue Aducci. Oh yeah, we remember you. Just wanted to drop by, you know, just that you have to do it. So yeah. we do, we do four drop bys a year now, sometimes five, depending on how adventurous I'm feeling, how creative I feel. Um, so definitely the four we send, you know, home anniversary postcards the, on their one year anniversary, just as like a, Hey, congrats. You've lived here a year. We love referrals. If somebody sends us a referral, we send them a gift card to usually Starbucks, Dunkin', some kind of coffee shop that says, you know, our business runs on coffee and referrals. We want to make sure that people know that we appreciate the business that they send us. We don't take any of our clients for granted. We know that there's so many real estate agents out there. There's actually 6 million, over 6 million in the United States alone. And we were just ranked in the top one and a half percent for that. So we are eternally grateful to the people that pick up the phone and choose us. Without them, none of us would have business. Well, that's for sure. That's absolutely for sure. So so it's great that that you you made a decision and you actually put it into action and then you got some results. Even though I would guess that that wasn't your primary motivator. Right. It wasn't. We just wanted to get out. We wanted to talk to people. We wanted to stay in contact and make sure people still knew what we were doing that we, you know, it's COVID. We survived. We're here. We're still selling real estate. And if you need anything in the world, we're, we're here to help you. Right. It was more just on the personal one-on-one -on -one after all the stuff. Yes. All the stuff. stuff. We went yes. yeah. <laughs> all the stuff. The quarantine <laughs> that about killed all of us. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. So all right. So now you guys, you get past COVID and you said each of the three years, last three years has been better than the last. So really think, how did that happen? I really think it's consistency, right? From the very beginning, they tell you when you're taking all of your classes, when you're going to trainings in the office, they're telling you, be consistent, pick something. And you can't just mail one postcard and think you're going to get all this business. You can't just do one drop by and think you're going to get all this business. It's staying in repetition. contact because it's repetition. They need to see your name seven times for it to be embedded into their brain to be like, oh yeah, Madison and Sue, they're a real estate team. We should give them a call. So I think it's just forging through and trucking ahead and making sure that we're continuing to do those drop bys and mailing the postcards and mailing the magnets just to keep our name fresh in their brain and relevant in their household. I mean, yeah, and a lot of people, I don't think they want to take the time to do this. They just want to go out and get a listing or get a buyer. Um, and, and we do that too, but we have to take that, that extra time to touch base with these people in order to keep the business going. And I, I don't think a lot of people either realize how important that is or want to take the time to do it. 
Well, I think that that's who what you and Madison are doing. And, and, you know, I personally think it's the basis of this business is you're building relationships with people. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's right? the bottom line. Yep. And I mean, we treat people how we would want to be treated. We, like I said, we don't take our clients for granted. We treat them as individuals. Each deal is unique in and of itself. And we really make sure that we treat them as if they were our family, because that's what we would want our family members to be treated like as well. So I think that that just speaks volumes. And we, I would say probably 80% of our business is repeat referral business. I don't think wow. that would happen if we were mean and rude and, you know, horrible human beings, people wouldn't refer us. Right. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. But I think the fact that you're being intentional about building those relationships. I mean, if your business is really 80% referrals, it is. that's that's fantastic i mean you have the dream business because you know again people coming in and referring you those are all warm calls those are all exactly. when you reach out to people it's it's great for you and then you're only i say only but you're you're only um lead generating really for that other 20 percent of your business oh, is yeah. that fair to say yeah Absolutely. Because I think when you when you talk to people who are looking to get into real estate, which I talk to them every day, right? The number one question I get is, where do I get leads? How do I generate leads, right? Go and ahead, when Sue. I first started, we all have those feelings when you first start. How am I going to get people to use me instead of all these other realtors? Mm -hmm. I would hand my business card out to everybody. The cashier at the grocery store. The person looking at that dress next to me in Kohl's, anybody I could find, I handed my card out. She actually still does that. We were at the store the other day and we just sparked up a conversation. We, we buy things, we buy items for baskets. We make our clients baskets for their closings. And so we were buying some items and we sparked up a conversation with a woman behind us in line. And she said, oh, well, could I have your card? I don't, I don't know when I'm going to move, but I'd like to at least have it in case I needed it. And if... And so she handed her business card over. And if they don't ask for it, I always say, hey, listen, I know you're probably not in the market to sell right now, and that's fine. But maybe you know somebody who's going to be ready to sell or buy. If you wouldn't mind just taking my card, our business works on referrals. And they're always happy to take it. Now, you know, some of them aren't, aren't going to transpire, but once in a while they do. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes. Michael Jordan. Exactly. If you don't <laughs> hand out your business card, you don't give it any opportunities. Right. I used to text people. I went through my, my phone book on my, in my phone, people that I hadn't talked to in years. I met at a, a bar once, you know, in college, whatever it may be. And I just sent a picture of my business card and I said, Hey, I'm in the market. If I can help you with buying, selling any of your real estate needs, or if you know of anybody, please reach out. That's how I got my first listing. Really? It's how, yeah. It's how, my very first listing. That's the generation. And right. so- the new people coming into the real estate world, I say, one, you can't be shy. You can't be scared. Nope. You you will miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Got to accept rejection. Yeah, you're probably going to miss most it, of the time. It hurts, but, but it is what it is. Send the text messages. Because most of the time people are going to say, hey, that's great to know. I haven't heard from you in forever. It's so great to hear from you. How have you been? What, what have you been up to? And you spark that conversation and you can rebuild that relationship. And eventually maybe they will be looking to buy or sell. 
Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I hear from from people that are, you know, new or about to get in the business, you know, I don't want to be a pest. I don't want to be a pest. What would you say is your reaction? There's a fine line, right? I feel like there's a fine line. Yes. I feel like you can read people. So if you send them a text message and they're very standoffish, you you just leave them alone. Back Back off, leave them alone. But most of the time, like I said, people will say, oh, it's so great to hear from you. I haven't thought about moving or maybe I want to move in six months or a year. And you take down that note, have an Excel spreadsheet with a note that says, you know, reach out to so-and-so six months, reach out to so-and-so a year, two years, three years, whatever it may be. But you'll know, you won't be pesky if people are responding positively to your messages. There's a way to approach somebody in sales. If you're in sales, you know, there's a fine line. You just can't cross it. Right. Right. But I think that also people have this fear that, you know, real estate brokers are like this one step above car salesmen. Not that there's anything wrong with car salesmen. One of my best friends, car salesmen. But, you know, in their minds, they're like, I don't want to be that guy or that woman that people are like, oh, she's just going to talk about real estate. Have you found that to be true among your sphere? And I feel like maybe it's because we're not always talking about real estate, right? Occasionally, we'll just reach out to people that we've worked with in the past and just say like, hey, how are you? How are the kids? Congrats on that grandbaby and leave it at that. Right. Not, hey, have you been thinking about selling? Because then you are getting a little pushy and pesty. But if you're, it's all about building that relationship. It's all about that touch. Right. And really building those relationships. 100%. 100%. So let me ask you, um, how have you and your team used social media to be able to either get people aware of your brand or to generate leads for yourself? So it hasn't been mentioned yet, but we actually have two other team members on our team that we work with on a regular basis. And we have been making TikToks as a team. Even this one has been in TikToks, right? Are you shocked? A little, a little. So we have been making these videos that really, they show our personalities. They, they're informative. They're funny. They're not, you know, cut and dry and boring real estate. Here's what's happening in the market and interest rates and all of that. Right. But they really just show that we're people too. And we've been posting those. And I think people are really enjoying them. And we kind of mix in those TikTok reels with posting. We post, you know, fun facts about real estate or are just listed or just closed or what's coming soon and market updates and interest rate updates and all of those other things on Instagram and Facebook. But I think the TikToks are really fun. And we recently just had somebody say, hey, I look forward to seeing those TikToks. When's the next one coming out? So I really think, I think even if people aren't, we don't get a lot of likes, right? Like we're not getting a million views and likes of our stuff. It's really more authentic and local. And so we want those people that you run into in the grocery store to know who you are or your friend's parents or your friend's friend's friends that are seeing these videos. So just a little punch for small businesses. If you have a friend who's running a small business, like their stuff, share their stuff, comment on their stuff. It's free to do to get the word out. Um, Back a little bit to our team. Uh, There are four of us and we are multi-generational. So we each have our own specific sphere that we reach. Um, Allie, our youngest on our team, is 20. Uh, Madison is 30. <laughs> she just turned 30. Still not quite to hit her. 
Um, Monica's 42, I think. And I'm, you know, 62. So I know um, how old you are. I know you do. <laughs> so we all have our own, our own group of people. So we're reaching everybody. And, and I think that helps. And I think it's really great that we can say that we are an all woman team as well. So not all, only are we multi-generational, we're hitting all four different generations, but we're also female run, which I think is really empowering in today's day and age. Yes. Yeah, I, I think you, it, I think it absolutely is. And, and the multi-generational thing, I'm guessing um, the 20-year-old is Allie. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. so I'm guessing Allie helps out a lot with the uh, with the social media stuff, right? Well, the, t- the TikTok, yes. Right, right. Allison here is the social media guru. She is. All right. I don't even know where, where it came from, but she's got it down. Well, she's got, her, she's got her degree in marketing and public relations and advertising. And so she... She knows what she's doing. And that it, I attribute that to a lot of our success. Well, and, and here's the thing is, and, and Sue, I know, again, you're 2005. You know what it cost, what it used to cost us to get to advertise something, to get people to know who you are, the bus benches and the sides of the walls. And, and the newspaper. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, there the cost associated with doing that stuff you know, at the time you're like, well, that's what everybody does, right? But the fact that today a majority of what you could do to market yourself is practically free, right, is just astounding to me. Yeah. So everybody should be doing it a ton of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny because I'll run into people, you know, sort of between Allie and and you, Madison, who will say. Nah, you know what? I I'm not, you know, I don't really want to do that stuff. I don't, and I'm like, you are missing out. I mean, I think maybe that's part of the reason why 80% of real estate agents forfeit their license in the first five years is because they're scared, they're not willing to put in that work, they're you know, reserved and are worried to overstep with their friends and family and really work their spheres. Mm-hmm. I think if people don't like what you're Let's rewind. I have a, we have a business page and a personal page, and I'm very cautious about how much I share from my business page to the personal page, because I don't want to overwhelm my friends, I'm the Same way. but I think it's important to occasionally post those and let people know what you're doing because they're never going to call you as a real estate agent. If they don't know that you're a real estate agent. Right. Can't be a secret agent. Right? Right. Well, right. It doesn't work that way. And I invited my friends to like our business page. And then it's on them, the balls in their court. If they want to like it and see what I'm doing, they're going to. And if they don't, it's cool. We're still going to be friends on Facebook and in real life and, you know, whatever else. It's totally fine. So I just think you have to let go of the fear at the end of the day. That's a great statement. It really is. Because, um, Sue, I think it's it must be your personal page. But recently, your team was recognized by you know who was it the Tom Ferry organization what was it yeah real trends Tom Ferry and that and, and that I felt I I wanted to put on my personal page so that my friends can see you know that we're that we're a successful business and if they need a realtor they can call us you know I don't like I said she said I don't like to put everything on there but occasionally I do like to put something like that yeah and that was the top one and a half percent nationwide and we were recognized as a small team in the United States, which I think was a huge accomplishment. 
Absolutely, 100%. And, and Sue, here's the other thing I'll tell you I noticed on your, your page is um, didn't you win a couple of trips or something as a result of production with your company? We win a trip every, so far every year that I've been there. The company awards us with a trip to Cancun in October, every October. Um, it's a listing contest. We have to have so many listings. They have to be a certain price point, has to be a certain commission rate, has to be on the market for so many days. So there's criteria. Uh, last year, we won a trip for four, and this year, we won a trip for three. Fantastic. Well, again, so I noticed that because you'll be like, yeah, we're going to Cancun and, yeah. you know, and me and, and and Madison or whoever's going with you. Yeah. And, and you know, again, it's it's not business necessarily. It's a lifestyle thing that, that you're going on this trip. See, I feel like in today's day and age, with all the negativity in the world, it's important to share your wins. Like, I think people need some positive. Yes posts as well. And so I think that those are the really fun ones to share. I recently shared, I was um, picked as the top 20 under 40 for Main Street Organization of Realtors. And again, I thought that was a really big accomplishment. I, I'm honored to be in that this year's 2023 class. And so that was, that was a big win. I felt like that was important to also share and some I, positivity. And I think our friends and family, they, they want to know those accomplishments, not just always business, but your personal accomplishments. That's important. 100%. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, again, it's not like you're stuffing it in somebody's face and saying, look at me, look at me. Right. right. At the end of the day, you we know, can't. You're just sharing what's going on. And right. at the end of the day, we can't do anything without our clients and our family and our friends and our spheres that are supporting us and referring us. So not only is it a win for us, it's it's because of them. They help us do it. Yeah, they help us accomplish these things. And Absolutely. we like to make sure they understand that they were a big part of that. So I want to step back for a second. Um, when do you two and your team, the other, the other folks, when do you sit down and set up your goals for your next year? <laughs> you want to take this one? Well, we... We have not been a team of four for a year yet. Uh, a team of three we've had for about a year and a half, maybe. Um, we have team meetings. We try to do it every month where we get together and we discuss what's going on, um, things that we need to change, things that we want to, you know, just so we are all on the same page and we know what's going on. So we try to do that. Um, and then it, I think throughout the entire year, we're constantly doing a check, touch base, right. a check in. Right. So we're setting up those goals as we go every month. So we don't have like an end of the year, let's do our goals for next year because everybody's always aware of where we are from month to month. Well, we did actually in January, we sat down and we make vision boards. True, we did do that. Oh, so great. Our vision board, I'm actually gonna pull it up and show you. It's on my phone, I don't have it. It's in the office. Yeah, every year we do that and it makes a big difference. Just like how I keep my, my stuff in my book, it's just to visualize it and to set your goals independently or as a team, not competing against other people, but against ourselves to try and exceed our goals from last year. Right. Let's see. All right. So I'm coloring in most of these videos. So this is our vision board. This was one in particular that we made. I don't know if you could see that. So no. our, our goal for the year was yep. to sell 66 units. So there's 66 little white houses on there. And every time we have a closing, I'm coloring them in. So I think we're at 20, 
eight, nine right 29. now. We're, we're at 29 right now. And so we will have 29 houses colored in and we'll keep going. And it's really, it's fun. It keeps you on track. It's visual, it's creative, it's right in front of your face. And so that's just another way where we can hold ourselves accountable and we can see in our office can see what we're doing. And that's the bottom line. I think you just said is holding each other accountable. We hold each one of the, the agents on our team accountable. If we find somebody needs to step it up or do something differently, that's what our team meetings are for. And it's not it's us a, demanding no. or it's just, it's a conversation, right? Because right. we, at the end of the day, want everybody on our team to succeed. succeed. Absolutely. That's and we're great. Not, and we're not the kind of team where you have a transaction coordinator and a buyer's agent. All four of us are full-time real estate agents. We all have our own business. We have combined business. So if Madison and I are both out of town, one of the others can take over uh, for our client all the way to closing if need be. But at the end of the day, each one of us is running our own business from the very first meeting of that buyer or seller all the way to the closing table. It's not getting passed through right. the chain of people. You build that relationship and have that from start to finish. Got it. And has that, um, when, when, you're, when you're talking about the goals that you're laying out, and and do you well here let me step back are you working individually from your individual homes do you have an office within your company well how's that working we each we each work from our own homes we each have our own office at homes at our homes but we also um, have a desk um, and soon to be an office at the office office so office right. meetings or training classes we try to all be there for that as well but we but we do work independently. Madison and I are are a team where you know we we split everything. Where the other two are individual agents on our team, but they have their own business. So you'll see both of us at a listing appointment. Sometimes both of us are at showings, things like that. But you get both of us two for the price of one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go, excellent. Um, and when you. I love the idea of the vision boards because it, you know, it's one of those things that, that people don't understand. If you don't have your goal constantly in front of you, you right. have a ten, tendency to, to kind of lose sight of what you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. And it's, it's all about the manifestation, right? You can't, you need to put it out into the universe to you know hold yourself accountable and make it happen. So we actually had two vision boards, the one I showed you with the houses, and then we had more of a, a personal level one that we made as a team with some of our personal goals. So I wanted to read four books this year. I'm at two. You know, Sue wants to travel to Florida more. She has a house in Florida. I wanted to buy a house. She wanted to buy a house. She wanted to buy a house in Florida. She did it. She bought a house in Florida. So we have that personal vision board as well because it's all about the work-life balance, I feel like. Yep. I have three little children myself. Monica has three children. You know, she's got a boatload of children and grandkids combined. So it was important. <laughs> a boatload, a boatload. I was like, a boatload. There's there's not one I've heard in a while. Three kids, five grandkids. But it's important to have those personal goals in addition to your professional ones so that you make sure you're not burning yourself out. Yeah, the, the vision board, we've always done a vision board. And we've always, we've always met or exceeded our goals because we see it in our front of our face. And we're goal-oriented and we like to succeed. We like to, we're driven by that. Yeah, absolutely.
Hey there, Real Estate Roundtable podcast listeners. I want to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, I Love Real Estate School. If you're looking to get your real estate license or fulfilling your continuing education requirements, I Love Real Estate School's got you covered. As an Illinois licensed school, they offer the state-required broker pre-license course, managing broker pre-license courses, post-licensing courses, and continuing education. And the best part, you can take the courses either through their live stream with the live instructor or online home study. So no matter where you are, you can get the education you need to take your real estate career to the next level. I Love Real Estate School is committed to helping you succeed in the industry. That's why they offer comprehensive, high quality education at an affordable price. So if you're ready to start your real estate journey or stay up to date with your continuing education, head on over to iloverealestateschool.com today to learn more. As you've been working in the market as it stands today, because market shifted, hasn't it, a little bit the last year? Well, yes, the market has shifted, yes. but we're, we have been blessed that we have been consistent. Well, and I'm not even talking production. I'm just saying, yeah. as you look at the market in our yes. area, in the Chicago yes. area, it's, it's definitely shifted a bit. Again, yeah, absolutely. And it's all about adjusting how you do things and what you do to continue to keep your business going. And be consistent. So, so what have you seen? In terms of, so I'm, I, I'm asking you your opinion here, in terms of what have you seen the market do and, and how have you adjusted? Well, obviously we have an inventory shortage. We all know that. Right. Um, there's still tons of buyers out there and a lot of them are afraid because they think the interest rates are so high, which they're not, but they think they are. I mean, right? It's, it's sticker shock. Right. It was like 16% on your first house or something 14. like that. 14%. <laughs> But when you see 3% and now they're up to seven, you're like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 Well, that was a fluke. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. So sure. we've got to get used to the six but and I, sevens. But I feel like we've done a little bit of a hill, right? So it was a super high, you know, multiple offers, way over asking price, appraisal gaps, all that stuff. And then interest rates took, they were, they rose, right? And then you had some buyers step back and say, whoa, 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 wait, sticker shock. I'm going to wait. And now we're seeing those buyers who need houses, right? You always have a need to move for whatever the reason may be, size of your house, you need a backyard, you have a baby, you're relocating, whatever it may be. And so those buyers are now coming out of the woodworks again. And we're once again, seeing multiple offers, a little over asking price, not $50,000, not having appraisal gaps necessarily, but definitely the multiple offers are back. They are. I would say a good six to nine months, not even quite a year was where it was starting to kind of level off a little bit. And now it's starting again. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see, we'll see what happens. And here's the thing is I think that, that, you know, Madison, you made a great point in saying that people were like getting that sticker shock mentality, but you know, again, your mom and I are going that that's nothing. Because, you know, in 2005, and I started in 94. So the fact is, is that rates, six, seven, eight, were like, that, those were the rates. 
I mean, when you bought, it was 14. But I mean, and when we were in college, it was 22, Sue, which who knew what it was at that point? I was well, like, yeah, I no, right. We had no care. But when we look at historical numbers, right. you know, 22 percent. And, you know, that was redonkulous for sure. But, um, you know, people, you know, the last 10 years or prior to this last year, the last 10 years, you know, it, the, the rates have been been artificially low. Yes. And and as they've climbed, you know, here and there, people are like, yeah. But now, like you said, Madison, people are like, wow, I, I, I could have got a three. Well, you should have got a three. Well, and the other problem, because we have low inventory, is a lot of people don't want to sell their house because, because they're rate locked because they have such a great interest rate. I'm not moving anyways. So if my, if, if my husband sees this, we are not moving. Um, <laughs> because you're rate locked. You're not going to move from your 3% mortgage to a 7% mortgage, double the interest that you're paying, more than double your, the interest you're paying to have to afford a less expensive house to offset the interest you're paying. And that's like, why we have low inventory. So some, one of the reasons. something will have to be done, whether it's they're going to lower the rates again, maybe that's going to happen to get people to start wanting to sell their houses to balance out the market again. Who knows? Yeah. Well, and I, and to answer your question about what are we doing? I think we have found in these crazy market times, um, we've never done more open houses than we do now because really, yes, the last two open houses we've done, we sold the houses and have had two other buyers without agents. Really? Yeah. Man, and that so was many people, people. So many people say, you know, don't bother doing open houses today. That's, that was the mentality that I think we used to have. It was more of a way in the past, more of a way to get more buyers for the agent. So they would do the open house not anymore, not expecting to sell it. I think, yeah, now in the past, what we've been doing is here's our little secret that we have realized works. Ready? We're going to let you in on a secret. Okay. All right. We're listening. So, so the private listing network is huge right now. It still is. People love to put their homes on the PLN, private listing network, PLN for short, and let the anticipation build. Let everybody know it's coming soon while you're having photos done, while you're cleaning out, decluttering, whatever it may be. If you can have photos done and activate your house on a Thursday, Okay, and then do an open house that weekend and not allow any showings until that open house. So it sits on the market for two days. You do an open house on Saturday, let's say. People are waiting. People are waiting and waiting and waiting and everybody will come to the open house that's interested and then some. And you can have it sold that day. And it does your client a service, a good service, because they don't have to constantly be in and out of their house. If they've got kids and they've got pets, it's hard to get out for showings and we understand and realize that. So if you can just say, please leave your house for two or three hours on a Saturday or Sunday, we'll still get you that offer. We'll still get you maybe multiple offers and it doesn't put you out of your house as yeah. long as often. And, and we don't like to put it on the PLN and allow showings anyway, because it's not really doing our seller a service by letting somebody come in and see it and make an offer because they're probably going to get more than they're asking for it if we allow multiple showings. And that's even happening on the PLN. People, yeah. if, if you allow showings, people know that they're getting in before it goes live and they want their hands on it. They want their name on that contract. And so they're still offering more than asking price just to secure that home. Now they are. They weren't yeah. back then, but now they are they more so now. What day do you do your open house on? It's either sometimes it's a Saturday, sometimes it's a Sunday, it just depends on the weekend. And if you're 
going to do a Sunday, it has to be a little bit later in the day, like a one to three, right? Because a lot of people have plans on Sunday mornings. Or football. Or football, depending on the season. Or depending yeah. on the season. So Saturdays are probably more successful than yeah. Sundays, but either one, neither one has been proven more successful than the other. Right. What time on Saturday? I still like the 12 to 2, 1 to 3 range. Yep. Okay. Have a little bit of snacks. People want to get out of the house, especially if it's nice outside. Yeah, they're right, just, just oh, checking. I like to see what people do. I like to see. Yeah. Like I said, I'm actually very surprised to hear you say that because so many people are are so against open houses and don't see the value in them that I, I'm I'm pleased or I'm I'm happy for you that that not only have you been able to sell the house, which is you know great, uh, but also pick up some additional buyers for yourself. And I think that I would say that's one thing that I think most new agents aren't doing is booking open houses. Any agent, any experienced agent with a lot of business is probably going to be willing to give you a listing to do an open house. They would be greatly appreciated. Take it. Take it and run. Do an open house every weekend because not only does it get you out of the house for two hours, two and a half hours, it gives you the experience talking to people about what's happening in the market. It could potentially get you your own buyers and potentially get you a buyer to write an offer on that house. There's no negative to doing an open house, whether it's your listing or another agent's. Well, and again, I think that that's good advice in terms of find somebody in your office that has a listing and say, hey, I'd be happy to sit an open house for you. Absolutely. Yep. Get the experience. As a new agent, I did every open house I could possibly do. That's how you get the experience. Yeah. Absolutely. And clients. Great. Okay. So, so open houses you know, the, the, the social media, what else are you doing in this, in this market to keep your business rolling? We mail postcards. We do that kind of marketing. <laughs> what? Tell them the funny story. <laughs> we mail postcards when we just uh -huh. sold something uh -huh. and we got a phone call from this couple. They wanted to list their house. So we went and met with them and we always ask, you know, how did you get our name? We always like to know what, what's working. And they said, well, we actually were taking our garbage can out to the curb and we saw your postcard on the sidewalk. It had like blown out of somebody's mailbox. So they called us based on that postcard. You never know, right? Yeah, you, you, never, never, know. you never know. They you never, never know. know. We, we try to be involved in the community. Maybe that's another one. Again, going back to building those relationships. So Monica and I are on a board of directors for the Lincoln Way Foundation. It's the school district here. Um, we raise money for the three high schools. And so... I think that's important. It's giving back to the community where you work. Yeah. We also sponsor a local baseball team. They actually just finished their season, but they were cute little five-year-old boys. So we sponsored that team. It's just really, I think it's important to get back to where you serve. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And have you seen, um, as you you've done those kinds of things, have you seen the awareness of who you are or your group or your expand? You no, know, yes, yes. Um, in a strange way, I would say. I think I'm not I'm not aware of it until people say to me, Oh, I know your group. I've heard of you. I don't think I don't see the direct correlation yet between people saying, Oh yeah, I saw your name on the jerseys for that little boys baseball team. I don't think it's coming back yet, but I think it comes back to the consistency, right? right. It's having your name out there in the community where you're working. 
And eventually it will pay off if you're consistent and continue to do the same thing over and over again. And I think it is somewhat, it's just not, I mean, obviously we want more of that, but I think there are some people who recognize the name. For sure. The branding. We have a branding. I actually, I had somebody the other day send me a picture. They were sitting at an ice cream shop in town and took a picture of the back of the jersey and said, hey, look what I see. I was like, that's great. Like you're, it's in the community. It's remarketing essentially these little boys wearing their jerseys, which I think is just great. Yeah. That's what you want. And they're appreciative that they have sponsors because it, it helps that organization as well. Now, do you, do you farm a particular area? Do you have a a region or area that you, you guys mostly concentrated? We tried that and I just feel like it doesn't really work. Uh, well, so farming involves snail mail, sending those postcards over and over again. And I think it, it comes back to those personal relationships and building those relationships. And that can only stem from face-to-face interaction. So we do send just sold postcards or just listed postcards to the areas where we have our listings because that just But not the makes same sense. area over and but over. But it's not the same one over and over again. I really think it just comes back to the relationships that we build in person. So it's going to events and it's going to the baseball game for the team that we sponsored and meeting the parents and meeting people of the community, name recognition, they'll meet us, be like, oh, face face to name, I get it. They were really nice, let's call them. Or I would say the only places we might farm um, are our own neighborhoods. Like you do your own neighborhood kind of, and I do, my neighborhood's small. So I can farm my neighborhood and I have done, actually, I was walking down the street one day and a neighbor I didn't know. And he said, oh, I know you, you're the realtor. So he's getting the stuff. (laughs) Yes, I am. Right. That's all you got to say. Absolutely. Yeah. The consistency and the repetition in our own neighborhoods, at least. Yep. So let, let, let me ask you this in terms of, let's say your biggest challenge as a broker in your career, what would you say your biggest challenge has been and how'd you deal with it? I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I thought about that. Um, the biggest challenge for me, obviously, was those awful years. But because I was fairly new in the business, I didn't know how good it could be because I right. didn't work in those years. So again, I just, I, threw myself out there and learned how to do everything that I needed to learn how to do to get through that. So that was probably my biggest challenge in in this business. Okay. Madison. I don't necessarily have one, but if I had to come up with my biggest challenge, I would say when I got my license, it was extremely challenging coming up with my own sphere because they sit you down and they tell you, okay, think about your friends, think about your friend's parents, think about your parents' friends think about your neighbors right so it they go through the whole sphere and I obviously can't pick my parents friends I can't pick my parents neighbors I can't pick anybody that she knew so coming up with my own sphere was very challenging and I had to think outside of the box of who I could market to because like I mentioned in the beginning we weren't a team from the very beginning I had to do my own business and earn my keep before we could become a team so that was probably my biggest challenge got it but obviously you, you persevered and yes. have built yes. this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. Um, so let's talk about for a second, Sue, the, the years that we don't like to talk about. And 
you know, there's this fear by, you know, people out there based on the pandemic that, you know, we're going to hit that again. People are like, oh, my God, it's going to be like that again. What's your thought on that? I think it's not. We're not having the lender issues that we had back then, which is what caused the problem. That was the bottom line. They were giving out loans to everybody, 100% over list. Awful, awful lenders. Weren't they also giving like second mortgages for repairs to be made? Yes. And then people weren't doing the repairs on their homes and then they'd go to sell them and they couldn't sell it for what it was actually worth, what they got the loan for because they never made the repairs. They were getting above and beyond what they were paying for to get money back to do the repairs. Yes. I think we learned our lesson. Yes. So no, we don't have that problem now. It's not a lender issue. It's just... It's the economy. The economy is always changing. So I think that when the economy, when the interest rates and everything levels off, I think we'll be fine. We're not going to hit that. We're not in a bubble. No, I, don't, I agree. Happen. I agree with you on that. But you got to admit, there's going to be some backlash from COVID in terms of the people who lost their jobs, didn't have the ability to pay their mortgages and you know, with Illinois being a judicial foreclosure state, it takes us longer. Yeah, but I would think we would start to see some of that already. And I'm not. I don't see anybody losing their homes. A or... lot of banks, though, tacked that onto the end of their mortgage life. So when those people go to sell their homes, there's such great equity right now in homes that they're not going to be selling it for less and be underwater taking that why can't i think of what it was called short sale no 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 the oh um forbearance forbearance the forbearance yeah right so they took that forbearance they just pay that off at the end of their mortgage and take off a little less equity than they had and everybody's got equity in their home right now everybody I mean, lots market right. unless they bought it last year but even right. if they bought it last year we're still seeing homes that yeah. are selling for more True. than what they paid for it a year ago True. two I mean, years ago yeah, we've recently just sold two houses they've only been in for a year and they both made money on it so again, I, I think some of those fears are unfounded. And I do think, you know, being a, a journalism major, it's hard, it, it's, or I have a journalism degree, it's hard to say, boy, the media is, is misleading some of these people about the market. But, you know, I do think that people who just read the headlines right. are well, afraid. That, and as a fellow journalism degree, I agree yeah. with you. It's, it's the media who is, it, it infuriates me when I watch the news. I'm like, where are you getting this information? It's not true. It's just there. And then people are getting frightened by it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we've seen a lot of that over the last probably 18 months as we came out of COVID that, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, interest rates are going up and values are going to drop and, and it's going to be like it was. And I don't, I, I I don't see that either. I don't either. I don't either. I think it's a bunch of malarkey. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be some effect for sure. It's just, it's no. not, it's not, pe- I mean, I've had people in class say to me, you know, how do I know it's not going to be 2008 through 2012? You don't. <laughs> right. You don't. But as soon, you, you, you know, you said it well, although I do have to say we can't just blame the lenders. You know, right. I have plenty well, of lender friends, but that was a huge part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a huge part of it. But I got to say, I do think everybody played a little part in, in that fiasco. 
you know, it was the lenders, it was the appraisers, it was the developers, it was sellers, it was yeah. buyers. You know, everybody sort of had a piece of that that problem. And, and when it blew up, it affected all of us, yep. right? Yep. But I don't, I agree with you, Sue. I don't see that again because people were getting loans, you know, starting in 2010, 11, based on their ability, their actual financial ability to do that so that we have better qualified loans. Right. So, you know, the pandemic is the thing that's gonna, that was the thing that caused some of these issues. Without a doubt. I mean, the pandemic caused a lot of issues within and outside of the home, the home buying industry. Yes. Although I do think it sort of helped some people to realize that their home was too small. Absolutely. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Get out of that condo. <laughs> or they wanted a yard for their dog and their kids to play. Yeah. And they realized they didn't want to be necessarily maybe in the heart of the city. They wanted to be in the suburbs with more land yeah. and a bigger house. Remember it. Back in 07, 08, and we said, we don't need these big houses. We want smaller houses. So all those big houses sat, and then all of a sudden COVID hit, and everybody's like, we want a big house. We need a big house. Or people need homes with an office. Yeah. Because now huge. they're remote and working from home indefinitely, even still. So we're seeing right. a lot of people saying, I'm, I need to move. I need to sell my house, but I need an office. Right. Well, Not and two, I think having so many people in the house working remotely i mean kids you know having their own room and being on top of each other everybody's like i just need a bigger house right and then they had the time to go look for it yeah because you know they were going to the office and and i you know that really spurred i think what we saw starting in 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 april of 2020 i mean it just that run was fueled by a lot of these people people were done yeah yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, if if you're walking down the street and a person says, I'm interested in getting into real estate, um, other than, you know, Sue talking to her daughter and saying, don't do it. Um, the fact is, you know, they're looking for your advice. So I'm going to ask you separately, what would be, Sue, what would be your advice to a new person getting into this industry? Well, first of all, I want to make it clear. I didn't tell her no, because I don't think it's a good industry or that she would be good at it. I She just had a lot of education in a different area and I wanted her to chase her dream. That's why I told her no. Yes. Other right. than that, I would say to the person, why, what is your reasoning behind wanting to get into real estate? Because so many people say, I love to look at homes. I watch HGTV all the time. And I, and I love to look at homes because they don't understand how much more there is involved in this, in this business. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, we all know it's way more than just showing a house. So that's why I would say you have to understand there's a lot of work involved behind the scenes and in, in front of the scenes. And if they think it's just about showing houses, it's not the right career. So, but let's just expand on that for a second. The, the, you know, somebody says, well, you know, my why is I want to provide for my family. Okay. It takes so, time. It takes time. It's not, into, it's not, it could take a year or two to start making money in this industry, unless you've got a huge sphere of influence and you're, and, and you like hit the ground running. It's not an easy business. So it's a and, simple business. 
it's just not know, easy. No, exactly. And and a lot of people that's they have to keep their jobs while they're doing this, which is a catch 22, because, you know, this is a full time job. It's hard to work a job and do real estate at the same time. So I would tell them, you know, you really think about it. Yes, you really have to think. I mean, it's a it's a difficult business to get started in. Once you're started and you get going on it, it's great. It's I would get, I would tell everybody in the world in the world to do this, but you got to get to that point. Right. All right. Madison, what would be your, your, you know, you've just five years in, what would be your advice to somebody new coming in? I really feel like that was my advice. You sorry, <laughs> like took the words out of my mouth. I, I think it just circles back to, you have to not be fearful and you have to be willing, ready, willing, and able to put yourself out there and really promote yourself because otherwise you're not going to do anything. So if you're sitting there thinking the business is going to fall into your lap, which they do, it's not going to, you're not going to, you know, your managing your office manager, or it's just, people aren't going to call you with those leads. People don't ring your doorbell and say, excuse me, can I, can can I, I, I kind of list my house with you? Right. Right. You really have to put in the work. And if you, the other thing I would say is it comes back to like how often you get paid. If you solely rely on that bi-monthly, every two week paycheck, don't do real estate because there are some really good months and there's some really bad months and you need to understand budgeting your money and saving for those low months because you never know when they're going to come. And I think that that's really, really, really important. Definitely not a steady paycheck. It's, it's definitely up and not. down. So I would say, think about it. At the end of the day, make sure that you understand what the job really entails and how everything works before you dive in. Excellent. I think that's excellent advice. So let me ask you this. What would you say, again, either together or individually, is the number one skill a successful real estate broker needs to have? I'd say communication is very important. Um, if you take communication, I like perseverance. Yeah, I was going to say both. Because you have to really be willing to dive in to not only communicate with people because that's extremely important, but to keep trying because like I said, things are not going to fall on your lap. You're going to get told no a million times and acceptance before you get told <laughs> yes. And so it's just knowing that those no's to not get beat down right. by those no's. Right. No only means no for now. Right. Right. Win some and lose some. That's how it is. Yep. Even now, we win some and we lose some. Right. And I still have a hard time with it sometimes. Like, what did we do wrong? Well, and growth is important. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's real estate's really, there's a lot of challenges, right? There's a lot of different avenues. And so, yeah, growth is an important one because if you get told no, you want to learn what you did to get that no so that maybe the next one could be yes. Right. We go on a listing appointment and we don't get the listing. We want constructive criticism. We want that feedback. Was it something that we're not offering that somebody else might be? Was it, you know, maybe our personalities just didn't And match? sometimes that's just it. Your personalities, we're very strong women. A lot of people don't like that, but. Perseverance and growth. I think it's, it's really important to not get turned down by every single no that you hit because you're going to get told no a lot. And it's learning why you were told no and hopefully 
growing and learning to make that next one a yes, because even now we still get told no when we go on a listing appointment and we want that constructive criticism. We want to understand where we could improve for the next time, because at the end of the day, it's all about adaptation and learning and becoming a better version of yourselves in order to change with the world. Well, like we said, sometimes it's just the personalities. Sometimes people's personalities just don't mesh. So can't change that. Nope. And then just, this will probably be the last thing. And as far as I'm thinking, um, you know, the dynamic, you guys are great together here that I can see, right? Um, what in what challenges are there for a for a mother daughter team, father son team, mother father team? What what kind of challenges do you run into? And could you speak to you know how you've overcome those challenges, if at all? I think because we are so comfortable with each other, sometimes we get frustrated with each other. I mean, I know that sounds kind of weird, but someone's not the best with technology. I'm pretty good for my age with technology. Let me just tell you, she's way better, of course, but she's 35 years younger than me. Right. 30 years younger than me. I would say the biggest challenge is turning it off. Because when you're used to working, like we had talked earlier in the podcast, you're used to communicating constantly of this is what we're doing and this person's doing this and this appraisal, this inspection, and oh, I just got this lead. Do you want to take it or do you want me to take it? That it becomes hard to separate the personal and the yeah, professional. That's true too. And I feel like we're working hard at it. Like, well, I call her at night just to do a nightly check-in, just be like, hey, how'd your day go? I'll talk to you tomorrow. You know, I love you. Good night. And it's trying to make that a, a personal phone call versus wanting to check in you know, at 830 at night. But sometimes we do stuff. check in with business right. too. So we just have to know if it's a personal phone call or a professional phone call so that we can kind of separate. Right. And sometimes I'll text her and say, call me when you can talk. Because yeah. if she's with her husband and her kids, I don't want to call her and talk business. Especially with and the work-life balance. So right. like at a certain point at night, I at least will put my phone on do not disturb so that I make sure that I'm and I'm learning and I'm working on this, that I'm focusing on, you know, my family time and putting my kids to bed and being present in that and not answering my phone at 930 at night, because honestly, you can't go see a house at 930 at night. I can't list your house and meet with you. So it can wait until the morning. But I take those calls because I'm not putting kids to bed and I'm still up. So sometimes somebody calls me and says, hey, can we see this house tomorrow? Or an attorney will text me and say, I need this or whatever. I'll do it. So if you need anything after 8 p.m., call Sue. <laughs> that's great that's great well i gotta say that um you know i love your dynamic Thank i you. think i think you know you guys have found a way to balance yourselves at least from the outside here looking in you know found a way to balance yourselves in this business found a way to partner up in such a way that it really seems like you know, the yin and the yang, you know, you one you you've got your 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 strengths and you've got your weaknesses and and you know having the ability to to Madison to work with your mom and I'm sure is is amazing. And you know, as we all know, moms and dads aren't here forever, right? And so to have that ability I think is is just fantastic and and Sue I'm sure for you because I know for me having the time to be able to spend 
with our children, quality time. And even if it's business, it's still quality time, right? Priceless. Yeah, it really is. You know, I saw a stat a few years ago and that bummed me out a little bit that said, you know, you spend something like 90% of your time with your children before they're 18. And then after that, it's like 10% of your time or your life is spent with them. And and I was like, I didn't realize that when they were growing up. Right. So you guys having this, this opportunity, I think is, is very special. And, and not only is it special, you guys have shown that, that it's also lucrative. You know, you've built a, a beautiful business for yourselves and your families. And I think, you know, it, it's one of those things that it's, and en- I'm envious of the, your ability to do this. I really am. Um, I think it's you. great. Thank you. We, are, we feel very blessed in many ways because we're able to do this. Yeah. She's not allowed to retire. I don't oh, well, plan to retire. I don't really plan to ever. I mean, I'm going to slow down at some point, but you know, it's so comfortable knowing that I have somebody who's so good at what she does, who can take over the business that I worked so hard to build and she yeah. will continue it. Yeah. I get the re- retirement question all the time, Sue. Like, what are you thinking about retiring? I'm like, when I'm dead, there, yeah. you know, there's no reason to retire. No. I don't like know what said, I would do might... with my time. I don't know what I would do with my time. No, but slowing down is okay too. Yes. So right. she, she worked really hard her entire life. She raised kids. She's involved in her grandkids' life. She built a great business. She deserves to relax and, you know, travel the world and do whatever else she wants to do as well. So I think she's starting to do that. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we do like to travel, but the house in Florida now, it's when I go down there, I feel a little guilty, but I I have to stop. I have to just do it. You'll get over that as you go. Yes, it is. It is. Well, like you said, it's hard when when you're used to doing this. Yeah. It's hard because in the past, when you stop doing it, you stop making money. Right. Right. When you were on your own. Yeah, right. but you're not. But you're not on your own. That's what he's no. saying. Right. That I'm right. here to pick up the slack when right. you are out of town. Right. So. And I'll always have passive income. So. I mean, I was like 14, no, maybe 16, and I was calling for feedback. I I couldn't. She would be out of town for a week doing whatever. And I would check her emails and I would call agents for feedback because she writes it on her <laughs> folders. And I can remember doing that. Obviously, I wasn't licensed. You don't have to be licensed to make phone calls. So I was keeping track of her showings for her. And she was doing my photography for me for a while. And so I've been involved for a lot longer than five years. Yes. So when she first got her license, I never had to go through, okay, this is a listing agreement or this is a, a buyer's contract. I never had to. She just knew it that's the beauty of being in a real estate family right yeah, yeah. is you really you know but how to do it consciously i just heard everything and just and we'd be on the, we'd be on the phone on the way to a softball tournament and i'd be negotiating on the phone and so she was always there well it certainly seems like it's worked out tremendously for both of you congratulations on that and you know i hope you don't mind but certainly um, our, our listeners, if somebody has a question or would like to talk to you about real estate or potentially what you do, do you mind if we put your contact information in the show notes? Not at all. We would love to help anybody who has any questions. Absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate 
both of you taking your time out of your busy schedule, out of your family. I know, you know, it, it, it's it's something that you had to schedule in, and I really appreciate that you did that. And I'm sure our, our listeners appreciate as well the, your insight. I, I love that it's the two different generations, and it's really, it shows that, you know, you can do this if you have the right support, if you have the right mindset, right? Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. It was great seeing you and and we appreciate it. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you, ladies. All right, everybody. We will see you guys on the next Real Estate Roundtable podcast. Thanks. Thanks again to our sponsor, I Love Real Estate School. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Roundtable podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our amazing guests and you picked up some valuable tips and insights that you can use in your own real estate business. If you liked what you heard today, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Your support means the world to us and helps us bring you more great content in the future. And if you're an agent who's interested in coaching, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me directly through my website, myrealestatesalesmanager.com or connect with me on social media. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you the next time in the Real Estate Roundtable Podcast.